Hello and welcome to Dear Franny, the podcast of uncommon conversations about love. I am your host, Francesca Hoagie. Thank you so much for listening. Here we are at the very end of 2021. This year simultaneously feels like it's been five years in one um, and also feels like, you know, it was just December uh, 2020 and it's just all gone by so quickly. And I know it's such a cliche and everyone says that, but I want to just make sure that you are actually taking a moment to really reflect on how quickly time passes. And I think that it's important to really remind ourselves of that because otherwise we take our lives for granted. And we take it for granted that there's always next year or next month or when this thing is perfect or when I finally have this figured out or, you know, we're always pushing things out into the future. And there is one thing that this pandemic has given me. I have a new level of patience because I really do see how quickly time goes. And there's no sense in being impatient for some future that's going to be here like before we know it anyway, right? So I want you to be reflective at this time of year about your life, as we all tend to do at this time of year anyway, but to be reflective about your life and to be grateful for your life and for the time that you have, but to really start to be intentional about how you want to use your time and use your life going forward, because this is it. Like this moment, like this is our life. And I know for a long time, I fell into a trap of projecting outward and thinking my life was going to start at some point in the future, but nope, (laughs) that's not how it works. This is life and you deserve to have a good life. And I believe that you can, I believe that is available to all of us. And um, it doesn't always feel that way. It doesn't always seem that way, especially when it comes to love. It can feel like it's something that's so far away and so out of your control. And I promise you that that is not the case. So I started off with a little rant today, but let me tell you about this episode. So this episode is a replay. It's a recording of a live conversation that I had on Clubhouse. And for those of you who haven't joined me on Clubhouse, I really encourage you to do so because look, it's free. It's all audio. You can multitask. You can do it while you're walking the dog or doing the dishes or whatever else you might be doing. So it's a very easy thing to partake in. And I have had some of the greatest conversations of my life. Actually, I would probably say I've had the greatest conversations of my life. Okay, well, some of the greatest conversations of my life on Clubhouse, and I have them regularly. So it's really an incredible platform. It's totally free. As long as you have a phone, you can access Clubhouse. So just want to encourage you to join us and download the Clubhouse app from the App Store or Google Play Store and to join me. And I'm at Dear Franny everywhere. I also want to encourage you to connect with me on Instagram. I know on this podcast, I'm, I'm usually saying, oh, there's the podcast Instagram, but I'm actually going to encourage you to connect with me on my personal Instagram, which is Dear Franny. Pretty easy, right? And the reason being is because that is actually the best place to most reliably get all of the updates of everything that I'm working on. That is the thing that is the most up-to-date always. So I want you to check that out because I have some cool things coming up in the new year and I have some things now, some resources for you all now. So definitely check out Dear Franny on Instagram and, you know, check the link in my bio and it's going to take you to lots of different places that will be useful to you. 
So, okay. So this episode is a replay of our clubhouse room. It's a room I host every Tuesday called True Love Tuesday. And the last thing that I will say before we get into the replay, I want to share this with you. This is on my heart to talk about because I've been thinking about it all week. So I have been really paying a lot of attention in recent months to how resistance shows up in my life where the things that I avoid, the things that I procrastinate on, the patterns that continue to repeat because I'm continuing to take the same action, (laughs) therefore, (laughs) thereby causing the same result. And a really great thing has happened because, first of all, I don't beat myself up about this because this is just what it is to be human. We all do this about something. And some of us do it about more than one thing. And some people do it about everything. But anyway, so I've been just looking at these patterns and looking at this resistance with a lot of curiosity, just like, wow, this is so fascinating. And I kind of reached this tipping point where I think I got so curious about my resistance that I kind of uh, accidentally stumbled into overcoming it. (laughs) And before I knew it, I would just have this automatic reaction to something that might have normally been triggering to me, you know, like, I like I get very overwhelmed by emails, like it's a problem that I have yet to solve. And once I get behind in my emails, then it becomes really hard for me to respond to anything. I just get into this stuck place, right? And especially emails that I know, like, oh, this is going to be a conversation. This is like, it's an email from my lawyer. It's an email from the accountant. It's something that's triggering because I know it's going to be important to deal with and it, it makes me feel more overwhelmed. So this is something that I've been working on. And I just, after noticing like, wow, I really am so good at avoiding email. Like I'm so good at this. And after a while, I would find myself just replying to an email. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm replying to this email. I didn't hesitate. I didn't put it off till later. I didn't talk myself out of it. I'm just replying. And it just kind of happened automatically. And I know this is a podcast about love. And if you're listening to this, you are most likely single. And that's why you're interested in this episode in this podcast. This podcast is for you. So just To bring it back to that topic here, the reason I'm sharing this with you is I really want you to think about where the resistance and the patterns are showing up in your life when it comes to dating, when it comes to romance, and really start to get very curious about the ways in which you automatically will take actions that may not be actually serving you and what you want, the love that you want and the confidence that you want, the progress in your love life that you want, right? So I really want you to just start to be really curious because, and I've done this too, when it came to love, I had to do it so many times. I had to do it when I realized that I desperately wanted a boyfriend, yet anytime a guy showed any interest in me, I would get totally freaked out and run away. And after a while, I was like, hey, this reaction that I'm having is not leading me to what I want. This is actually blocking me entirely. And so I had to then go on a journey of observing myself and starting to bring that curiosity and starting to consider like, okay, maybe I can make eye contact and I can smile and I can flirt and I can say yes and I don't have to run away, and I can be open to someone new. I had to go through that process step-by-step when it came to love as well. But this is just something that has just come up for me, you know, in the last 
couple of weeks and I just feel, I just see the parallels because it doesn't matter what part of our lives, you know, we're dealing with resistance, we're dealing with challenge, we're still us, right? So it still applies. And sometimes it's helpful for you to see it in parts of your life that are less triggering in order to make the parallel to something like romance, which is very triggering typically. So I just want you to turn that lens inward, spend a little time observing that and observing those patterns within yourself. Because I promise you, if you really shine a light on those patterns without judgment, so you can't judge yourself and shame yourself because that just makes it worse. But if you actually can do that with just compassionate curiosity and shine that light, the patterns cannot continue. They rely on you being distracted on an autopilot in order for them to continue. So if there's anything in your love life that you want to change that keeps happening over and over and over again, and that includes not dating at all, then I want you to really pay attention to what are the automatic behaviors that you take that are so automatic to you, right? That you may not even realize the extent to which that resistance is blocking you. Because when you remove that resistance, that's when everything changes. Okay. This was a very long introduction to this episode, but I wanted to share that with you. I hope that it was helpful. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy this clubhouse conversation on how to make love inevitable. We're talking about dating. We are talking about finding true love. And today specifically, we are talking about how to make love inevitable how to stop leaving it to chance. I know that sounds like a clickbaity title, but believe it or not, you truly can make love inevitable just as you can make success professionally inevitable, as you can make your fitness inevitable. If you put the right intention and the right action into place, even love, I promise you can manifest it regardless of how far away that feels right now. And those of you who are familiar with me. I'm Francesca. If you're not, hi. Welcome to True Love Tuesday. I'm joined by Callie as always. I think we have some other friends joining too pretty soon. But if you know me, you know that I'm all about making these things very practical. This is not just going to be a room where I give you a pep talk and I'm like, you can do it. Okay, go do it. We're going to get more specific here about what I mean. Really happy to have everyone here. Welcome to True Love Tuesday. If this is your first time and welcome back if you have come back. So before we jump in, Miss Callie, do you want to just, well, first of all, how are you? And also, is there anything about tonight's topic? Yeah, I'm doing well. And I am, I think for me, along the lines of how to make it inevitable, my first question, the thing that I hope to come out of this, sorry, I'm trying to find my words, is some actionable things that someone like me who doesn't encounter a lot of people, because I live in a different country and I rely a lot on dating apps, like I go out, but there's always a language barrier, just some really actionable things that I can do practically in a space where I don't encounter all of the types of people that I would typically want to date. Yeah, that's a great question, Callie. And even though you do live in a foreign country, I think there are a lot of people who can relate to that, feeling like very dependent on online dating in terms of meeting people and not really knowing how to navigate that otherwise. So you have a special circumstance because of the language barrier and all, but there's a lot to talk about here that's helpful to everyone. So thank you, Callie. Hi, Tracy. Welcome. How are you, honey? 
No, hello. I had to finish up a meeting, so that's why I was a little bit late. But I love that love is inevitable because sometimes love is scary. I definitely want to learn how to, I want to say, internalize the feeling that it is both inevitable, but also deserved. So I'm excited. That is a really good point. And there's two different concepts that are tied into both believing that love is inevitable for you, or even believing that love is possible for you. Because for some people, even just believing that it's truly possible, that's the first step, right? That's the first leap. And then the other piece of having that true confidence that not only is it possible, but it's truly going to happen for me. And it's only a matter of time until it does. That, and I'm sorry, because this was also something that I struggled with for a number of years, is that also that the love that I want is possible because so many of us settle. And so that inevitability goes along with what you deserve instead of settling for just whatever you can have. That love that is, like I said, the love that you deserve is actually possible and that you don't have to settle. And if I can also ask, because one of the things that I'm personally struggling with is knowing that I deserve it, but not fully believing that it's going to happen. <laughs> so I hope that, and I, knowing you, Franny, that is something that'll come up. I would love to work on that. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Callie. And again, a lot of people who can relate to these challenges. Erin, I know you just got here, not to put you on the spot, but if you, there was anything that you wanted to just mention, make sure we talk about tonight, here's your moment. Hi, sorry for the background noise. I'm on the Kelly train. Like I have days where I definitely feel not inevitable. Just any advice or guidance that you have to like work through those days. Okay, so we're definitely going to start with talking about love confidence tonight. That is clearly what is on everyone's mind and it's so important. Let's get started. When I talk about true love, which is what I'm always talking about, and when I'm talking about making love inevitable, that is what I'm talking about. The way that I define a true love relationship is a relationship that has a foundation of mutual respect, emotional and physical intimacy, emotional and physical safety, joy, and commitment. So that is the foundation of a true love relationship that to me, in my experience professionally for many years now and personally as well, and all that I've read and all that I've learned, this is really what it takes to have a healthy relationship. That's another way to think of it. What is a healthy relationship? And that is the foundation of everything that I'm talking about tonight and also always when it comes to relationships. I wanna just lay that groundwork for everyone and then so we talk about love confidence, or when I talk about love confidence, love confidence is the belief that you can actually have the love that you want, right? And so why is this important? Now, this is incredibly important because if your love confidence is very low and you think it's impossible for you to have the love that you want, how is that going to impact your love life? You might not date at all, or you might only date people who you are truly settling, truly, truly, truly settling. And you know that you're settling and you're settling out of the fear that, well, this is as good as it gets, right? 
that is the price of having very low love confidence. Now, everything that I always talk about is always rooted in self-compassion. Love confidence is on a spectrum, like all confidence, right? It's no absolute, yes, I'm confident. No, I'm not confident. And so it's going to fluctuate. It is absolutely normal and natural and to be expected that some days you're going to feel more love confident than others. It is absolutely natural that if you met somebody that you really liked and you were like, oh my God, this is promising. Maybe this is the person. And then it doesn't work out for you to feel disappointment and for that to dent your love confidence. Like that's just normal. Like we're human, right? It is okay because as always, we do not have to be perfect ever. We never have to be perfect in life as humans. And we certainly don't have to be perfect to have love. If we did, none of us would ever have it. Okay. So it is okay. And the fluctuation in that confidence is not something to, I don't want you to freak out about it. Okay. That's the first thing. Now, having said that, you always want to look at what is the cause of my lack of belief that I can have the love that I want. And it could be that you've never seen it. You've never seen up close a healthy romantic relationship. Maybe you've never seen up close a healthy romantic relationship with somebody who looks like you or has the background that you have or fill in the blank of whatever it is that makes it hard for you to believe that you specifically get to have love. If you've never seen it, then one thing that is important to start to do is to seek out some love mentors and some role models where you can start to believe that it's even possible. If you're listening to me and you're like, you know, that all sounds great, but I've never seen a healthy romantic relationship, or I've never seen a relationship that had emotional and physical safety and emotional and physical intimacy and joy and commitment and mutual respect. If you've never seen that, the first order of business is to start to show yourself that more and more. And also to pay attention to what you are potentially subjecting yourself to that might be denting your love confidence. This is on a lot of different levels. This is everything from participating in a lot of conversations about how terrible dating is, how trash men are or women are, you know, how hard it is, how much it sucks, right? There is a lot of people, I was certainly incredibly guilty of this. I mean, Erin can tell you, I mean, she had to listen to me talk about, you know, boys that I liked and all of my romantic problems for decades. <laughs> so I know, and Erin, I'm sure you remember, thank you for still being my friend. It was a two-way street, honey. Okay. <laughs> you listened to all my crazy shit and you're still listening to it. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. We've been through a lot. We've been through a lot. But part of it is, am I continuing to participate in conversations, right? And surround myself with people to immerse myself in things that are making it harder for me to believe that the love that I want is possible. So you might need to say to your friends who want to, you know, have a, a bonding conversation because dating being hard, the whole story of dating being hard and frustrating and it sucks and like you have to kiss all these frogs and it's going to be terrible. That is something that is a source of a lot of bonding for people. Talking about your terrible dating story, sharing all of the horrible profiles you came across online and all of that sort of thing. So it's a natural thing to do, but you also need to pay attention to, am I reinforcing 
a belief that the love that I want is not possible by continuing to have these conversations, et cetera. So that's one level. Then the other level is the date selection. So if you are actively dating, and if you're not dating at all, I'm going to talk to you in a moment. (laughs) I'm a recovering avoider, so I understand. But if you are dating, then you also have to pay attention to who are the people that you are choosing to date and choosing to give your energy to. Because if, for instance, you know that it's hard for you to believe that the love that you want is possible for you because you don't believe that people are emotionally available, for instance. If you, when you start dating people and you see that they are emotionally unavailable, if you continue to date them, if you continue to tell yourself, well, maybe this is as good as it gets, or I can change them, or da-da-da, or whatever justification to keep engaging with that person, you have to have a real honest talk with yourself and ask yourself, are my dating choices making me feel more confident that I can have the love that I want or less confident that I can have the love that I want? Because I can tell you as somebody who's dated many unavailable people and been in many situations where I felt very off kilter and I felt sort of rejected and I, but I was trying to hold on and keep it going. Da, da, da. I can tell you that that choice never made me feel more confident. It only ever made me feel more unlovable. It only made me feel more rejected. It only made me feel more like this was always going to happen to me and I was never going to meet anyone. That's an important thing for you to start to just ask yourself. And it's not a blaming thing. This is all about curiosity. Tracy, did you have a question? Yes, actually I did. To what you were just saying, just a little even subheading to that is even being around people who are uninterested or would otherwise be, I don't want to say unavailable, but you've talked about so often how we have these check boxes and a lot of people have check boxes of things. And me being a car woman and driving, you know, high-end cars and supercars and whatnot, Of course, I'm around a ton of single men who are wealthy and successful and who check all those boxes, but I don't check the boxes for them. And people would often say, or friends that I have would often say, oh, you have just this like amazing selection to choose from. And I say, no, I don't because I'm not, you know, the five, two blonde with the big boobs or anything like that. And so Even when I was wanting to date, I was putting myself around people. Granted, it was still for the love of cars, but my social circle was still people who I would ultimately not be asked out by. So it was safe, but it was also a self-fulfilling prophecy that I wouldn't get asked out and that I couldn't find my love in that because I didn't fit. So thank you for sharing that, Tracy, because... I'm sure there are many people in the room who can relate whatever that narrative is for you, right? Like I'm not 5'2 and blonde with big boobs, so people won't be interested in me. Whatever that narrative is for you. I want to just encourage you to, I think you know what I'm going to say, Tracy, but number one, to consider the possibility that that narrative is not true. And consider the possibility, because I can tell you, and actually, you know what, Erin can tell you too, because, you know, she's known me for over 30 years. My nickname, one of my nicknames among my girlfriends is Gateway. She has typically been the first Black woman that white men. Or the first this that someone has dated. 
first lawyer. woman who who had a shaved head, the first woman who was <laughs> a love coach, you know, I've been the first person who so many people have dated that's like outside of their usual type of person. And I just say that to say the reason that that has happened to me is that I always was able to leave open the possibility that I'm not going to preemptively take myself out of anybody's running because I don't know. I've been surprised so many times by who I've been attracted to, by who's been attracted to me. And Tracy, like you are a gorgeous woman and you've had so many men like your entire life wanting to be with you. And I know that those men have been very varied, right? And I'm not just talking about like racially or even in terms of economics, just varied in so many ways. So I just want everyone to like, and if you have any kind of narrative in your mind that I'm not going to be an option to, you know, fill in the blank of people for whatever reason, I would just encourage you to consider the possibility that that is not true. I would also urge you to consider the possibility that we live in a universe where love is actually the most abundant force that there is. And just on a spiritual level, do we feel a scarcity when it comes to friendship? Do we feel a scarcity when it comes to our ability to connect with people professionally? Do we feel a scarcity when it comes to just the likelihood that there are people in the world who share some of your values or your interests or that you would get along with? And typically we don't really, I mean, not that like every person in the world is going to be your best friend, but we don't typically feel that way when it comes to anything but love, romantic love. And so the only thing, and we always talk about this, I know it's like a, I'm a broken record and we always talk about it at Manifestation Monday, but really your only job, really, really the way that you actually make love happen is to open yourself up to receive it and keep your heart open even when it feels scary. Now, the only way that you're able to do that is through feeling worthy, feeling deserving, right? Without that, then you will settle for less than what you deserve, right? And you may just totally settle for less in terms of having relationships that are less than what you deserve, or you might settle for less than what you deserve by completely cutting yourself off and not having relationships at all, right? And so the power that we have to open ourselves up and the power that we have to bring our attention to all of the ways in which we tend to close our hearts is really like it's major. So even thinking like, I'll just tell you, okay, I mean, I'm not single, but I was single for a long time and I am 5'11". I have a shaved head. I am a dark skinned black woman. I mean, I'm kind of skinny now, but I haven't always been. <laughs> And I had a law degree. Oh, I had a lot of boxes that one could check that say like, ooh, love is going to be harder for you. Ooh, ooh, and you're getting older too. Like, ooh, you're 40 and you're single and you're all these things. Like, oof, I don't know, <laughs> right? It would have been very easy for me to internalize that narrative because it is extremely pervasive, especially when it comes to Black women. You have to just ask yourself and you have to look at the evidence of your own eyes, right? And what you have seen this is a true love society. We talk about manifestation here. We don't believe that everything is just random. We don't believe that the universe is random. If you believe that, if you truly believe that the universe is here and we're all part of it, we're all connected and that it's working in your highest good, 
then do you believe that there's really like, oh, well, you just don't get to have love because you like cars. And because you like high-end cars, you just don't get to have love because none of the men that you're going to meet are going to want to be with you and they're going to be right for you. That's not how it works. Part of making love inevitable is to start to embrace the belief that it's inevitable. And it's like a decision to believe. And I know that it might seem a little backwards because you're like, well, make me believe it and then I'll believe it. (laughs) But it's like the decision to believe it. And then once you make that decision, then you'll start to seek out the evidence of that belief versus the belief that I don't think I can have it. Because if you believe I don't think I can have it, then you will continually on a subconscious level, be seeking out the evidence to confirm that. Does that make sense? You've said so much. One of the things that I wanted to say, circling back to not taking yourself out of the running, I had the biggest crush on a friend and told myself he would never date anyone who looked like me. His wife could be my sister. So absolutely, I wanted to just affirm (laughs) the fact that you should not, because you never know. You absolutely never know. So not taking ourselves out of the running, I think has a lot to do also with getting out of our own way, which is something that we talked about yesterday in Manifestation Monday, the idea of not being the reason why we don't move forward. And I just wanted to add that because that resonated a lot when you said that. Don't take yourself out of the running. Yes, yes. And because when you do that, because when I say that really what you have to do to have love is to open yourself up, right? Open your heart to receive it. Every time we say, oh, but not here, I'm not going to open it here because these people are never going to want to date me. Or I'm not going to open it here because I don't want to meet somebody online or that's not where my person is. Or I'm not going to open it here. You know, like if you think about it from imagine (laughs) that you were trying to find reasons. Like say you were consciously like, I made a bet with you. I want you to see like, I'm going to give you $100 for every reason (laughs) that you can find to keep your heart closed in dating. You even make a lot of money. There's a lot of reasons, right? And so the point is not because and I know that I can feel that a question that is coming up for people is like, well, I just can't be open to any person like I have to have discernment. Yes, you absolutely do have to have discernment. And so you do have to trust yourself, right? You have to have clarity on what it is that you actually need in a relationship, right? You have to have clarity on what your own pattern is and what the choices that you've made in the past, not to judge yourself because that doesn't help. That's not useful. But to start to get information, I'll give you a personal example. One of my patterns on my dating journey, I've had many, right? I didn't date at all. I was the total avoider. Then I started dating and then I couldn't really get past the first or second date. And then I went into a phase where then I was able to start getting into a relationship. And what happened, my pattern at that time was I would meet someone, he would put me on a pedestal, he would think I was the greatest thing since sliced bread for a little bit. (laughs) And then I would come tumbling down off the pedestal and I would get broken up with and my heart would be broken. I'd be like, how did this happen, right? So after this happened a few times, I had to accept the fact that like, this is, you know, Erin is my friend since ninth grade. This isn't Erin's pattern. I look at my other friend. This isn't her pattern. I look at my other friend. This isn't her pattern. I can see that everybody has a pattern, but I can see that that was my pattern. So I'm like, all right, I am somehow, 
I don't understand how I am doing this, but there is some level at which I am choosing these people. I'm choosing this dynamic. So once I started to bring my attention to that, then I could start to see, you know what? I'm very comfortable being put on a pedestal. To me, the most attractive thing in the world is when a guy thinks I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? Immediately after meeting me, before he actually knows me, I would get sucked in by that, right? And then I was comfortable because then I didn't have to be vulnerable because this person was telling me from day one, oh, you're the greatest, you're the greatest. I'm like, oh, great. I can just be the greatest. I don't have to actually be myself. I don't actually have to show my warts. I can just be the greatest, right? <laughs> but that's not how relationships work, right? That's not how life works. So I recognize I need to bring more vulnerability to how I date from the very beginning. Because what I used to do is that I would wait because at the first I'd be like, ah, oh, you know, yeah, sure. This guy likes me. And then my ego would be boosted and he would like me more than I liked him. Right. But then that would start to switch. So once I started to realize when that switch starts to happen and now I'm in it and now I'm ready to be vulnerable, then I'm now trying to be vulnerable with someone who's not able to receive that. Okay. So I recognize I'm like, I need to be vulnerable from the very beginning. I can't wait till down the road. And now I'm going to open up to this person. So I started to just practice in dating. I'm going to just be more vulnerable. Being more vulnerable doesn't mean that I go and tell everybody my deep, dark secrets on date one, but it does mean that I don't fall into the trap of letting this person project onto me and me basking in that. And like, being very selective about what I reveal about myself because I want to stay in this person's good graces, right? I want to be liked more than I want to actually see if we're a right match for each other. So you always have to take responsibility for your choices, right? And you need to look at, you know, I know actually I said a little while ago to the people who don't date at all, let me come back to you right now, going back to love confidence. So this belief your belief that you can have the love that you want. That's the simplest way of putting it. If you are someone who does not date at all, then it goes without saying that your continued not dating is going to keep your love confidence low because you are showing yourself repeated evidence that, yeah, I don't have connection. I don't have intimacy. I don't date. So you are not doing yourself any favors, right? And if you don't date at all and you say, oh, but my heart is open and I'm open to meeting someone, then I believe you and I felt the same way. But if you really, truly believed that you could have the love that you want, would you be passive about it? And would you leave it to chance? Or would you make a choice to be more intentional about how you approach dating? Because most people approach dating from a perspective of, I'm just going to go out there and find someone I'm attracted to and hope it works out. And we all know how that goes, right? <laughs> and that's called leaving love to chance because sometimes that works out, by the way. Sometimes you meet someone you're attracted to and they're a really great match for you. That happened to my parents. My mom saw my dad across the restaurant and she fell in love with him at first sight. This is how she tells the story when they met. And it just so happened, and by the way, Shout out to Eddie Hoagie, my dad. Today would have been his 95th birthday. He passed away many years ago, but isn't that crazy that my dad would be 95 today? A shout out to Eddie. He is relationship goals. Okay. Fully, fully, him and Joyce's relationship, for me anyway, is 
the inevitable love goals. Oh, yeah. Oh, if, for those of you who are here last week, my mom, my mom came by. Actually, she could be here again because I'm not even looking at the audience. No, she's not here. Okay. Because <laughs> she was here last week and I didn't notice for a while. My mom came up and she is just the cutest ever. So opening your heart to receive love requires loving yourself enough to believe that you're worthy of receiving a healthy, loving relationship and trusting yourself enough to know that when in the process of dating, you encounter someone who you see they're not aligned, maybe their values aren't aligned, what they're looking for isn't aligned, you're just not feeling them, they are not demonstrating that they're capable of meeting your needs, then trusting yourself enough to know that you will walk away and be okay. And that is really the hard part, is walking away and not settling. I mean, the only way that you're going to get less than what you want in terms of the relationship that you want to have is if you settle for less. And when I talk about settling, I'm not talking about simple example that I hear all the time, right? A lot of women who date men have a height requirement and they want a guy to be at least, you know, usually six feet tall, but in some cases it's taller. Shout out to my friend, Corinne. She's now lowered it to 6'2". She's now willing to go out with a guy who's 6'2". But this was years of me working on her to get her height requirement down a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, one might say, and she has said to me, you know, I've been single this long. I really want to be with someone who's really tall and I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to settle for less than that, right? And so it may not be height for you, but fill in the blank. And if that thing that you are calling settling is related to anything that I talked about, like the foundation of a healthy relationship, right? Then yeah, that would be settling, right? That would absolutely be settling. If you were settling for, you know, less than emotional and physical intimacy, emotional and physical safety, commitment, joy, respect, right? If you were settling for less than that, then yes, you were settling. But having the love you want doesn't mean that you build a bare, perfect person off the factory line who's the exact height, who has the exact education, who has the exact amount of money, who has the exact hobbies. I'm not talking about those things. And I'm not saying that you don't get to have any of those things that you want, because of course you do. But if that is your definition of settling, is settling for physical traits of your partner, then I would really encourage you to look at where have you settled or where have you been willing to settle on these more foundational elements of a relationship? Because if you're willing to settle for someone who is emotionally unavailable, if you're willing to settle for someone who does not have the same commitment to building a relationship with you that you have to them, then that's settling, right? So that's the kind of settling that really, really, really matters. And that's what I'm talking about. When it comes to all of the other stuff, once you start to go a little bit deeper, then you will find that not that you're going to suddenly be attracted to the total opposite kind of person that you've been in the past, but you will find that suddenly things like, oh, wow, this person is an inch shorter than my optimal height. That doesn't fucking matter, <laughs> right? Like it's just those things become a lot less important when you start to focus on the things that are truly important. So in dating, most people are just going out and looking for the person who's checking all of those physical traits, all of the things that you can see on paper, right? Looks good on paper. We hear that all the time. If you are picking all of your dates based on what looks good on paper, and as long as it looks good on paper, you're willing to be flexible about everything else, that's going to continue to be a problem for you. 
Now, can you get lucky dating that way? Can you get lucky by picking someone who looks good on paper and then they happen to be a great match for you? Yeah, that can totally, totally happen. But will it happen? I mean, it does not happen for everyone. We see that. <laughs> the way that most people date, it does not always lead to success. And it certainly does not lead to healthy relationships very often. So when I talk about making love inevitable, it's about taking control of your love journey rather than just like, I'm just going to like throw shit at a wall and just hope something works out. It's about understanding, oh, actually, I can be intentional about this process of dating just like I am about anything else in my life that is really fucking important. And what is more important than the person with whom you spend your life? It's really, really important. But most people spend more energy and time planning for a vacation than they ever would planning for dating. So when it comes to figuring out like, all right, what's my next step? That's what's always really important is to get to this point of like, you're starting to empower yourself. You're like, okay, I have some control here, but what do I do, right? You need to do a little self-diagnosis and really understand where you are on your dating journey and what is the thing that you most need to focus on right now. So Callie, like you were saying, you know, being in a foreign country or you don't speak the language, you are somewhat limited in how much interaction you have with people face-to-face, -face, right? And so maybe right now, that is your first order of business is to start to expand your social circle right where you are and start to meet people and get more integrated into the community. Maybe that is really like the best use of your time right now, because I don't want anyone to be solely dependent on online dating. I am an advocate of online dating. It is obviously an amazing tool. I host many rooms about online dating and I will again in the future, right? But I never want that to be anyone's only method of meeting people to date. So regardless of what your situation is, obviously it's going to be easier for some people than others to meet people organically, but it doesn't really matter. Like you don't need a million options. You don't need a million eligible singles around you. You're only looking for one, two, three, a few people, <laughs> right? And so this is where it has to come back to you cultivating that belief that the fact that you have a desire in your heart to have the love that you want to have means that's the evidence that you need that it's possible for you. So in the self-diagnosis, you might need, as I did at one time when I was decided, I was okay, I'm ready to start dating and figure this out. I needed time and I needed experience. I wanted to go immediately from not dating to now being with the love of my life because I was impatient, right? Impatience is a love block, by the way. But what I really needed was time and experience to learn how to actually be in a relationship that lasted. Dating is amazing. And I'm telling you, I know a lot of people resist dating. It is the most amazing process for developing the skills that you need to be in a relationship that lasts. Because through dating, you learn. I mean, listen, I know that the fear of rejection is very strong for a lot of people. It used to be for me too, before I discovered that rejection isn't real. But I understand. I spent years of my life feeling constantly rejected. Okay. So I understand, right? But even facing that and having to come to a place where you're able to not take rejection so personally, 
and not make all of your uncomfortable emotions someone else's fault and not make another person a villain and just, you know, understand that sometimes you're just not a match, right? It doesn't mean I can't have love. It just means that this is not my person, right? So even having to come through that process makes you a better partner once you're in a relationship. Because if you're really, really sensitive to feeling rejected, if you think that being in a committed romantic relationship is going to cure that, I promise you it will not. You will find many, many, many ways to feel rejected within your relationship. So wherever you go, there you are, right? As it was uncomfortable for me to have to deal with all those feelings of rejection and dating and literally be broken up with, have my heart broken, have people literally say like, I do not want to date you. I'm not, this is not imagined, right? This is literally being broken up with. I'm glad that I went through all of that because it forced me to find a way to love myself more, right? And so that's a, on a deeper level, but even just on a practical level, like, do you know how to flirt? Are you good at that? Because if you are relying on a spark of instant chemistry to last you for a lifetime of a relationship, I think you will find yourself disappointed, right? It doesn't just go on autopilot. By learning how to flirt with a stranger even, right? That helps you be more equipped to really be able to show up in your relationship with your partner where you can continue to have that be automatic. Actually, we haven't done a flirting room in a while. We should do one soon because it's so foundational. But the essence of flirting is making another person feel seen, special, and acknowledged. That's how I define it. And so if you take that essence, obviously different styles of flirting are going to be appropriate at different times. The way that you're going to flirt with somebody in line at a grocery store who you met five seconds ago is probably going to be different than the way you flirt with your partner who you've been with for 10 years. But at the core, it's the same, right? And so there's vulnerability that you have to develop through the process of dating, the ability to communicate needs, boundaries, the ability to meet other people's needs and to honor other people's boundaries, right? The ability to have difficult conversations like, you know what, it was really nice meeting you, but we're not a match. I know it's not fun to have that conversation, but I promise you in your relationship, you're gonna have to have a lot of tough conversations too. The process of dating, teaches you, it prepares you for the love that you want. So for some of us in the room, talking to you, my dear avoiders, and maybe other people do, right? You need more time and you need more experience. And when you are more intentional about how you are going about the process of dating, then dating becomes a productive experience and it's not just throwing shit at a wall and hoping something sticks, right? Does that make sense, everyone? Yes, it does had a question about, and this is kind of backtracking a little bit with some of the advice or the bit of advice that you gave to Callie is just to get out in the community more. Do you have another suggestion of something you can do to get out of your own way or to open up your heart to dating? Because again, you know, so many of us, we have in our heads, you know, what ideal is and, and even what the baseline is before we start saying, okay, I can work with that or I can't work with that. But how do you get to a point where you're able to open up and put yourself out there? Yeah. I mean, I think that the only answer, if that feels really hard, it's just baby steps. It's literally just baby steps. I mean, expanding your social circle is always, I mean, I advise everyone expand your social circle. If you're single and you want to meet someone, you should make efforts to just generally expand your social circle. Really start to embrace connection for the sake of connection. 
and try not to get stuck on, well, if I say yes to going to this holiday party where I don't know anyone, it's just going to be a bunch of married people or whatever. And so I'm not going to go. Even if it is a bunch of married people, go because you want to start making more connections and putting yourself out there, being more vulnerable and not feeling so isolated. Because that's another thing is that when you're single and you really want to be in a relationship, you can feel very isolated. Dating can be a really isolating experience. And so looking for ways that you can feel more connected to the people around you is just good for you to start to believe like, oh, wait, okay, even if I'm meeting someone who is you know, I don't know, like say you date women and you meet a man who you connect with. It's not that you're going to date that person, but at least you're like, oh, wow, there are people in this world that I can connect with. It doesn't matter that this person is not even a romantic option, much less someone I'm interested in. It's just a reminder that I'm not alone in this world, right? And so that is really powerful. And then the other thing is that for people who really have a challenge with that, typically I usually find that flirting is not something that they're very comfortable with. So as I mentioned before, we definitely have to do a flirting room soon. As I mentioned before, you know, the essence of flirting is making another person feel seen, special, and acknowledged, right? And so if you are somebody who you don't ever meet people organically, right? Like you don't ever just meet people to date as you live your life. Not that you need to be meeting, you know, someone every single day and going on a million dates, you know, a month or anything like that. But if it never happens, like if you can relate to feeling like I never get approached, okay, I know there are people in this room who can relate to that feeling or people are intimidated by me or whatever the story is, whatever the narrative is. I'm not saying that's not your experience because it used to be my experience too until I started to consider the possibility that maybe I wasn't the most unattractive or the most intimidating person in the world. And maybe that's not why I wasn't getting approached. And what I started to do was I literally started, I would go out with, you know, Aaron and all my girlfriends and they are always getting approached. And I just started watching them and paying attention and realizing, oh, their energies, they are so much more open. Like they're making eye contact with people <laughs> and smiling at them. And then they're coming over to talk to them. So there's just a baseline of comfort that you need to develop with those types of interactions in order to feel like, oh, okay, dating is something that I can do and this can be productive. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Absolutely. Thank you. Callie, what do you have to say? I'm just absorbing the ways in which I need to pivot my mindset about things. Because as you say, going out with your girlfriends, making eye contact, and doing the things that would get someone to come your direction. I need to pivot my brain thinking, I can't do that because I have a mask. I need to not put limitations on what is possible because I was walking down the street one day and a guy pulled his mask down very briefly and made eye contact and smiled and then put his mask back up. And my first thought, because I wasn't in the dating mindset at the time, was, you know, we're in a pandemic, keep your mask on. But he was doing that thing that you just said, right? Making it known that, hey, I want to know what you look like too. So there's just, yeah, there's just a, a lot of ways in which I need to pivot my mindset around being out and about with meeting people. Because the immigrant community, they call themselves expats. I call myself an immigrant. The community that's here tends to be a very specific 
kind of person in terms of the English speaking. And again, I will not take myself out of the running. There are all of these singles events that happen. I have not gone to any because Kelly, I'd already decided that no one there was going to be of interest. So that's what I'm saying. I need to pivot my mindset. So this has been very helpful. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that this has been helpful. And here's the thing. Chances are, if you go to a singles event, you're probably just statistically speaking, you're probably not going to meet the love of your life just because... When you put pressure on going to one thing, the chances are, it's just, that's not typically how it works. So there are plenty of people who have met the love of their lives at a singles event, by the way. And if you do go to a singles event, the type of singles event that I most recommend is speed dating, because it's just good practice in like making like a quick connection with someone. And if any of you do decide to try speed dating, which again, I encourage, really challenge yourself to try in that like three minutes to have an interesting conversation with someone and not just small talk. I like speed dating for that reason. But my point is, Callie, and this is for everyone, it's just like when you go on a date, if you're dating, you're actively dating, like you're going to go on dates with people with whom it's not going to go anywhere. Chances are you're going to meet people that you don't connect with that way. Or even if you're like, oh yeah, it's a nice person, it's not going to be a love connection. But why is that bad? And how can you still make all of those encounters meaningful? How can you still use all of those encounters as an opportunity for you to strengthen those connection skills and those discernment skills, right? I pinned a link to the top. I don't know why the title is not showing because it was before, but this is a masterclass that I have on how to date with intention. It's only $8 and it comes with a very good worksheet that has a lot of questions, but it should be really helpful for those of you who want to really get more clear on how you should approach dating. And in it, I also walk you through how to create your own dating action plan, which starts with the pre-dating phase, right? The pre-dating phase of just getting clear on like, okay, well, what is it that I actually am looking for? And like we're talking about right now, like, what do I most need to focus on, right? So three months from now, and I'm a big fan I encourage you all to really set three month love goals for yourself. So three months from now, not a year, not five years, not 10. We can't, we're not going all far out. Three months from now, which is, I mean, mid-February, right? It's three months from now? Or is that two? March. March. Mid-March. Mid-March. <laughs> What's wrong with me? <laughs> Mid-March is three months from now. So by mid-March, what do you want your love life to look like? And okay, so maybe in a magic wand scenario, you want to be, you know, engaged to the love of your life. And hey, that could happen. But where are you now, right? So you're first doing this assessment of being realistic about where you are right now. You might be in the process of getting really clear on what you actually need in a relationship. You might be in the process of learning how to be more vulnerable. You might be in the process of learning how to flirt, right? Setting a three-month love goal for yourself that is something that you can really actively work towards, right? So like if, for instance, you're like, okay, three months from now, like maybe now you're not dating at all. Maybe a great goal for you three months from now is that I will be regularly going on dates and feel comfortable going on dates, right? And so that gives you something tangible and you could always exceed that, right? But at least you know, like, okay, if that's my goal, that's where I wanna be three months from now. Now you can start to be strategic about, okay, how can I start going on dates? How can I get more comfortable flirting? How can I start to expand my social circle? How can I start to shift my mindset around dating or maybe a fear of rejection, right? Or something like that, very common. 
because I want you all to be proactive and I want you to be strategic, not that you're giving yourself like some huge homework assignment, but that you're not just shooting blind. You're not just like randomly throwing some profiles up on dating apps and you're just like crossing your fingers and hoping it works out, but you don't really know what you're doing or what you're looking for, right? And so this is why this self-diagnosis is really important for you to be honest with yourself about what you most need to focus on. And maybe your three-month goal is you want to feel more confident, right? You want to have more love confidence. So for those of you who might have come in since we began, love confidence is that is your belief that you can have the love that you want. So on a scale of one to 10, if we say one is it's impossible, I'm never going to have it, I'm not even going to bother trying, and 10 being like, oh my God, it is, I'm so excited. Like, I know that it's inevitable and I know that I'm going to meet my person any day now, right? So where are you on that scale? Are you at a one? Are you at a 10? Are you somewhere in between? And by the way, I have been a one and I've also been a 10. And I couldn't believe it <laughs> when I got to a 10. I was like, I remember I woke up one day and I was like, holy shit, I'm about to meet this guy. Wow. And then I got really nervous and I got really scared. But then I breathed and I told myself, this is okay. <laughs> this is what you wanted. Like, you're ready for this. You can do this. Like, you can handle this. So that's another piece. We have to understand that we all have a little fear of getting what we want. Okay. <laughs> for various reasons. But I was able to talk myself out of that. And I did literally meet my boyfriend like two weeks later walking down the street in LA. But I also know that if I hadn't met him at that intersection at that moment, I would have met him or someone else somewhere else. Like that's how strongly I believed that like it was happening. So anyway, so wherever you put yourself on that scale today, right now, it's confidence fluctuates, right? This is not your destiny. It's just an assessment. And then Maybe your three-month goal is to raise that by one point or two points or three points, right? And so, okay, well, now how are you going to do that? It's going to depend because it's going to depend on what you're doing right now. If what you're doing right now is not dating at all, then getting started with dating and being intentional about it, right? So you're not just throwing shit at the wall and hoping something works out, but you actually are putting some forethought and some intention and making a plan, right, for how you're going to approach it, then that's how you start. And also by reminding yourself and maybe by journaling and maybe by coming to True Love Tuesday and Manifestation Monday and by surrounding yourself with people who are on the same path as you, on the same page as you, on the same journey as you. So I want you to be strategic about what you specifically need in order to start to raise that love confidence. And maybe it's something that you need to stop doing. So for those of you who are dating, maybe you, you know, you have to be honest with yourself about what your pattern is, right? So who are the people that you were choosing to date? What are the patterns there? Because the pattern just may be like, oh, I mean, I'm meeting people that are, they're basically what I'm looking for, but I just haven't met that right person yet. That's one situation, right? But maybe your pattern is you are totally dating people who were wildly different from what you're looking for. Or, you know, you had a pattern like I did getting dumped. <laughs> right? <laughs> Very suddenly being like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> I thought everything was great. I thought you loved me so much yesterday. And now you're breaking up with me. How is this happening to me again? Right? By getting curious. And I talk a lot about, though I haven't tonight, but typically I talk a lot about compassionate curiosity. So if you're asking yourself these questions and you're doing this reflection from a place of judging yourself, then your answers are not going to be helpful. 
But if you start to do this reflection and ask yourself these questions from a place of being kind and compassionate towards yourself and just being curious, like, hmm, if there is more going on here, if maybe I haven't met my partner yet is not because maybe the reason is not because I'm unlovable or it's never going to happen. If that's not the reason, well, then maybe it might have something to do with the fact that when I'm out and I see somebody who I find attractive, the thing that I do is run in the other direction. Maybe that has more to do with it than what I've told myself and the ways in which I've told myself that I'm lacking. So I want you all to be curious and start to ask yourself those questions because when you do, you'll start to get answers and you don't have to be perfect. And your love confidence doesn't have to be a 10 in order for you to have a great relationship. But the more confident you feel, the easier it's going to be and the faster it's going to happen. So how you feel matters. Yeah, I have two quick things. One is not waiting in the idea of making it inevitable, not waiting until in order to go out and date. I can't date until I lose 10 pounds. I can't date until I get my credit in order. I can't date until getting out of your way in that regard. That's something that I have been incredibly guilty of doing. I'm not in a place to go out and date until this other thing happens. And the second thing is actually a question with regard to patterns. As you were talking, I had such a light bulb moment of the last three men that I dated in a serious way I made more money than all of them. And I realized that is a pattern that I have and not because uh, I'm actively looking for it. I just, it just occurred to me, the men that I've dated who made more money than I did tended to want to wield it as a weapon or a means of control. And so now my question is middle ground. Once you know what your pattern is so that you don't swing all the way to the other side, because it clearly hasn't been working out for you. What's the best way to get to a middle ground? Yeah, it's a really good question. Well, in this case, let's just be specific about this. So the amount of money that someone has is, well, let me just put it this way. I don't know specifically, you know, what you're talking about, your specific, you know, when you, the discrepancy, right? Or how that showed up, because just dating somebody who has less money than you that is not inherently a problem, right? Like dating somebody who has less money than you, but they can support themselves and they're responsible with money. And, you know, they just might have a job or a career that pays less money than what you do, right? Like, oh, so no, it was resentment. It became resentment because I don't have a problem with it personally. Like, oh, we're going out and I'm buying. It, it became resentment. Same kind of principle applies though, because the point is not that like, every man who has less money than you is going to resent you having money. Okay. So just like there are men who have more money than you who could still resent you having money. So the point is not the, how much money someone has. The point is what that means to them. Like you said, like, you know, and I had that experience too of dating men who had a lot of money and they acted like I'm supposed to defer to them in a way because of that. And that was not a good fit for me, as you can imagine, probably knowing my personality. <laughs> and so, 
a, a lot of women who are successful, I hear this very often, a lot of successful women feel like, well, I need to date somebody who's at least as successful financially, professionally as I am, because that way he won't be intimidated. He won't be resentful. And that is just not true. There are plenty of people who make less money than you, who are less accomplished, who will be your biggest cheerleader, your biggest supporter, who they do not tie their self-worth to how much money they have in relation to you, right? And there are people who make less money than you who are going to feel insecure about it. I'm not saying, obviously, that is also the case, right? So I would say in terms of the pattern, what you want to start looking at is, does this person love themselves? Does this person have self-worth and you can observe this like it's not like you can know right away but you can well sometimes you actually can know right away that somebody doesn't <laughs> love themselves that actually does show up pretty quickly but it just might take a little time of getting to know someone in their character because just as you said you dated plenty of rich guys who tried to control you right so it's not like the point is just like oh if i date somebody with more money he's going to try to control me and if i have less money he's going to resent me and if we have the same amount of money then it'll be fine it just doesn't work that way there's no escaping self-love our own ability to love ourselves and our ability to choose partners who love themselves it absolutely makes sense thank you for that i was excluding an entire category of people in much the same way that i was including myself from certain types of people. I'm going to say it was subconscious <laughs> because of the experiences that I'd had before. And so the idea now of looking at it, does this person love themselves and not looking at it as does this person have resources with which they will try to control me? Thank you. That was it. <laughs> Thank you. That was an awesome question. Tracy. Callie said it, my questions were along similar lines, just because either I've been with someone where I'm completely ignoring what they've done, where they've been, financial status, all that. The thing that I said for a very, very long time is just make me happy. Like, that's it. If you can make me happy, nothing else matters, not race, not money, not career, not anything. If we're happy, we're happy. And that's all that matters. And now that I'm older, I want to say that other things now play into that. I've added to the just make me happy because there's lots of people that I could be happy with. And I know that, but there are other things that I want to do and be in life. So going back to look, our manifestation Monday, when I, you know, I'm manifesting ease in my life. Well, anyone who I date, I would like them to be at that level of ease as well. I don't want to be with someone that I would ultimately have to leave behind and come back to. I would like to have somebody that I could navigate life with and basically, I guess, be on the same level with me energetically. So my question, actually, I did have a question. I'm remembering it now that I'm talking, is knowing what I want to do, where I want to be, how I want to live. If I put that, if I visualize that from the standpoint of putting myself in situations and social circumstances with people who may be more closely aligned to what I want to do, would that be like my icebreaker, anybody's icebreaker for that matter? So like, I know I'm philanthropic. So 
should I put myself in more situations where I'm around people who are of that mindset, who are the world changers out there, who want to make a difference in the world and actually have the ability to do so? Is that like the social circles and whatnot that I should be more focused on when you talk about dating intentionally? So instead of just saying, you can make me happy, anybody can make me happy, but oh, I want to be happy in this way. And just shifting that focus, being a little bit more laser. I don't know if you get, understand my question. I don't think I'm I really do. stating it clearly. Yeah, I know. I understand. I understand. Well, first of all, no one can really make you happy. So, you know, happiness is a choice and it's a perspective and it comes from within. And it's very much how we are taught to date, which is like, find someone who makes you happy. And I, oh, this person makes me happy. And that's why I want to be with them. And that's like a very common way that we talk about dating. But I just want to, for everyone in the room, just flag that as something that you really think about that. Like when you say, I want someone to make me happy, what are you expecting that person to do for you that you can't do for yourself, Right. So, so yeah, let okay. me rephrase that. So somebody I can be happy with. Okay. I, I, Is that the better I way totally to put understand. it? Right. But I think, but your actual question was about, should you surround yourself with, you know, people who are into philanthropy because you are as well. And listen, I, it, that is certainly not a bad idea. I mean, I think that whatever anyone, whatever you are into, whether it's pottery like me <laughs> or philanthropy or whatever, I, you know, obviously that's a great common ground for you to start to expand your social circle and to connect with more people. So I would never say don't do that. Like, of course, totally do that. Like you're called to do that. I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, an advice a lot of love coaches will give to women who date men is like, oh, go to like, you know, join a golf club and like, Go to steakhouses and sit at the bar and wear a red dress. That's actual advice that a lot of people give. I'm not knocking it, just saying. I wasn't making that up. <laughs> um, and I'm like, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad idea to join a golf course. Like, if that appeals to you, if you like golfing, right? Like, if that's like an environment where you feel comfortable and you're like, yeah, like, absolutely go there. But if you're like, I hate this, but I'm here to meet a man, like, don't do that. <laughs> I don't think that's a good strategy. You're going to always be the most magnetic where you feel the most at ease, right? So, and obviously the goal is to always just feel at ease within yourself, regardless of your environment, but we're human. We get affected by these things. But the other thing I would say, Tracy, is sort of like what I was saying to Callie is like, whenever it comes to any of these more on paper type of traits, like how much money someone has, their level of education, like these types of things that we can get really focused on. I just want you to always go deeper. So like when you talk about, and this is not for you to answer right now in front of everyone, this is just really something for you to reflect on. But like when you talk about, you know, I don't want to be with somebody who I might have to leave behind. Well, if you, when you get clear on the relationship, not, I'm not just talking about the money. I'm talking about the relationship. I'm talking about what you share with your partner. I'm talking about the dynamic between you. When you get clear on what that is, because like I will say, you know, like my boyfriend is a scientist, like he makes a perfectly good salary, but he's, I make more money than he does because he's a scientist and he works for a research hospital and I'm an entrepreneur and I work for myself, right? And so, but even though he technically makes less money than I do, he's 
really good with money and he's really good with investing and he's really good with saving. I'm like taking his money habits, you know, I'm like, he has better money habits than I do. Right. <laughs> so it's not just about like how much money someone makes. It's about like how they live their lives. Right. And so just going to, if you think that, and, and this is for everyone. And I, I hear this a lot, like with education, this is a good, this is another example. Let's take it from money for a moment and move it to education. Because just as a coach, most of my clients are professional women and I am myself. This is just what I'm used to talking about and hearing. So most of my clients have always said to me, like, I want somebody who has a similar level of education as I do. And I always say, great, why? And everything is a why. I don't care what you say. I, it's always a why. I don't care about the why. I just want you to understand your why, right? And that's actually a good exercise for those of you who have a list. Go through that list and just ask yourself for everything. Why? Why? not a judgment, just why? Why is this important to me? What does this have to do with my relationship? Just to give yourself that information. But anyway, so typically when I ask why for the education question, it's like, oh, well, because you know, I have an advanced degree and I have a certain level of education. And if I'm with somebody who also does, then we'll like, you know, we'll have the same worldview, we'll be aligned, we'll have, you know, intellectual stimulation and all those things. And the thing is, that is very, that very well might be true. And there are also people who are highly educated, who you are highly incompatible with. And there are also people who are highly educated, who you don't have intellectually stimulating conversations with them because they think they're smarter than you and they talk down to you and that's not stimulating or they might want to be argumentative and they might not be. But the point is, is like every kind of person has an advanced degree, just like every kind of person doesn't. So are there people who don't have that education with whom you actually would have an amazing intellectual connection? Just because they don't have that degree doesn't mean they're not smart. Doesn't mean that you don't have the same interests. Doesn't mean that you can't talk to each other, right? So I'm not saying like, you can't be with somebody who has a lot of money or you can't be with somebody who has a lot of education. And my boyfriend has two PhDs. He's a total fucking smarty pants, but I never had a, I need to be with somebody who has a certain level of education because I just know that intellectual stimulation is one of my core needs. I can't connect romantically. I can't have a deep, like intimate connection with someone who I can't connect with intellectually. So I never cared about somebody's bio because I'm like, I'm either going to connect with you or I'm not. And it just so happens that yes, most of the men that I have been with have been more educated, but that's to me is incidental. The education is not the thing. So this is for everyone in the room. So I would say to you, Tracy, like the philanthropy, that's not the thing. There are going to be people who are into philanthropy who absolutely will be, you know, potentially great partners for you. And there'll be plenty who aren't. There's always this temptation, I think, in dating to feel like this is the perfect pool for me. And this is where I'm going to find like the perfect match. And I just want to encourage everyone going back to love confidence. Like if you truly start to embrace and truly believe that the love that you want is inevitable, then you can really embrace the mindset of like, I mean, I'm going to go and do that thing because I'm called to do it, but it's irrelevant because we couldn't miss each other if we tried, right? Like my partner and I couldn't miss each other if we tried. So I don't have to worry and I don't have to hunt. I just have to live my life and keep my heart and my eyes open. And so that's my advice. <laughs> Oh, very long-winded tonight. Yes, and I want to, again, affirm, this has been such a good room for me personally tonight. So thank you. Yay. Um, <laughs> the asking of why, because for me, it wasn't 
the money wasn't the issue. When I get to the why of it, it was the fear of being controlled. It wasn't about what was in the bank account. It was the fear of having someone want to try and control me. So asking that why, brilliant. Thank you. I'm so glad. I'm so glad this is helpful. Because when you ask the why, then you just get to be like, hmm, is this actually true, right? We talk about financial control. I'm not going to get into it, but I know someone who is in a situation with her husband where she's the breadwinner and he doesn't work and he controls all the money in the household and she has to cut back on things and he gets whatever he wants. So it's not, again, it's never about just like who makes more money or who makes less money. It's about the person and the dynamic and the ability to love yourself enough to feel worthy of having somebody who is a partner and it's a relationship that enriches your life, right? And so I'm glad that this is helpful to you, Callie and Tracy, and hopefully to other people as well. Hey, sorry guys. Callie, same. This was helpful for me personally as well. Just the constant reminder of being curious about whether or not this is true is so important for someone like me because I tend to take, you know, I'm an emotional person. I feel things deeply. I'm an empath, all those things. And so I do tend to take things personally. And so when I have a day like today where it's like, it's never going to happen. I was all hopeful yesterday and my past is just showing up today and my parents and all this other stuff. So thank you for rooms like this. Just the constant reminder of being curious and being curious about if this is true or if there's another way of looking at this. Yeah. And I'm so glad, Erin. And I think that's actually, it's a good full circle reminder. Something that I said at the beginning that I think is worth repeating, which is when it comes to your love confidence, when it comes to your belief, right, that you you're knowing that you can have that love, that relationship that you want, it's going to fluctuate and just don't judge it and be kind with yourself and just know you don't have to be perfect. You know, you don't have to be a 10 out of 10. It's really, honestly, it's something to really just, I don't want anybody to kind of use this love confidence framework as another way to kind of like engage in any kind of perfectionism or beat yourself up more than you might already be doing. It's really just as a way to check in with yourself about your dating choices, right? So it's just more of like the choice that I'm making right now, is this choice making me feel more confident that I can have a love that I want or less confident? And it's not something to day by day worry about and to, you know, beat yourself up about. Just be gentle with yourself. We cannot shame or beat ourselves up into healing, right? We can only love ourselves into that. So just be kind and just know it's going to fluctuate and it doesn't have to be perfect. And if you want to be strategic and be like, hmm, well, what, what can I do to make myself feel a little bit more confident? Like I was saying before, you know, challenge yourself. What would it take for me to raise my love confidence by one point? What would that take? I wanted to make this point before. Let me say this now, because this is important. This goes back to the patterns, right? So everyone has a pattern. And if you don't date at all, that's a pattern too. So whatever your pattern is, and I did, I pinned a link to my dating archetype quiz in case anyone hasn't taken it yet. And you don't know, are you an avoider? Are you a looper? Are you a surfer? Are you a sailor? You should know. You want to know that. Another way to help to understand your pattern more and to start to change and make different choices, better choices that are going to make you feel more love confident is to do a postmortem 
So take two to three most recent or your two to three most significant relationships or situationships or crushes or whatever, right? Because there's something and relationship doesn't necessarily mean like we were committed and we were like boyfriend and girlfriend. It like, doesn't matter. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Situationships count as well. You take the last two to three of those and really ask yourself, you know, what happened at the beginning? What happened in the middle? What happened at the end? What did they have in common when you do the work? Like, I I guess I need to do another room soon about relationship needs and how to get clear on what your core relationship needs are. But once you do that and you have that clarity on what those relationship needs are, then you can start to look at your past relationships and you can see the ways in which you're oftentimes your past partners, you were choosing people who were actually incapable of meeting your relationship needs, right? And so when you see that, it's like, oh, wait a second, maybe, you know, there's just a part of me that has been making this choice, right, to continue this pattern and to choose these people. But now that I'm aware of that, and I can start to change that and make different choices, I think that will lead to some different outcomes. Like, it can't be exactly the same if I don't do exactly the same thing, right? So it's really, I want you to be strategic and I want you to look at your choices in the past as a way of helping yourself see what your choices are presently. And by the way, when you are trying to change a dating pattern, this is also a great opportunity for you to practice vulnerability in your communication when you're dating new people. So when you're dating somebody new and you're saying to them, I'm loving getting to know you and spending time with you, but I also know my pattern and I want to slow things down because I'm actually looking for a relationship that lasts. I want us to like give ourselves the opportunity to see, you know, if it could be us basically. And that's a vulnerable thing to say to somebody that you're just recently started dating. But that person, first of all, you being vulnerable is you opening your heart. So that's good. Right. So I want you to do that. But also it gives you an opportunity to see who can meet you there. Because the person who doesn't have the patience for, in this example, right, to slow things down so you can really get to know each other, that person is not on the same page as you. So by expressing that, then you got to see what that person was capable of. And now you have information that you get to make a choice and you can say, hmm, they kind of shut that down or they're not listening, right? I said I wanted to take it slow and I didn't want to text every day, or I didn't want to see them every day. And they are continuing to ask me and they're continuing to say, yeah, but I just want to see you and I miss you so much. And you're so amazing. Da, 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 right. This is a common scenario that I'm describing. So when you see that somebody is not respecting your boundary and they're not hearing what you've communicated to them, that's when, and this is why the self-love is so important because you have to believe that you deserve to be with someone who does respect your boundaries. You have to believe that you deserve to be with someone who can hear you, right? And who can meet you at that level of vulnerability and who's invested for the long term. You know, it's like, we don't just feel more confident without taking that difficult action. It's like taking that action and giving yourself credit for it is what makes you feel more confident. So even though it might feel really, really, really hard, for instance, to walk away or to not engage with an ex or whatever, every time you do it and every time you don't do it, that's fine. That's life. And you just clearly need to like have this experience a little bit more (laughs) to like, you know, there's still something you're not ready to fully leave that behind yet. If that's where you are, you know, it's, 
I want you to know that you have the power to get ready whenever you decide that you're ready. But anyway, it's not a judgment. It's just that every time you do choose that high self-worth action of, oh, I'm, I am going to walk away from this person, or I'm not going to respond to that message, or I'm going to say, actually, you know what? I don't think that we're a match because I've communicated a boundary to you and you're not listening to me. So I wish you good luck. And saying that to someone, I'm sure there are people who are listening who've never said anything like that to anyone you've dated ever. And if you do say something like that, when you do say something like that, I want you to give yourself credit. Giving yourself that credit and that self-validation, that is going to help you to feel more confident. So the actions and the feelings are not independent of each other. The feelings will catch up the more you treat yourself with that high self-worth action and the more you are, again, very intentional about how you are going about dating, right? And how you're navigating the process of dating. Yes, I've taken notes. This, the whole concept, loving myself, loving my life, living authentically, keeping my heart open, being curious about the why. And all of that feels like what I asked for at the beginning. The things that I can tangibly do to step into this inevitability. Thank you. Yay. You're so welcome, Callie. <laughs> I love it. I love when I can answer questions. Anyone have anything else? Nope. Okay, great. Well, I want to thank everyone for being here. Thank you to those of you who've been rocking with us over the last hour and a half. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. We're here every Tuesday talking about dating, and I invite you to join us next Tuesday at the same time, which is 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. And then, of course, on Monday, it's Manifestation Monday at the same time. It is the happiest day of the week. And if you've never joined us for Manifestation Monday, what are you waiting for? <laughs> so please do make sure that you are a member of the True Love Society, and you can join us by clicking that greenhouse up above our heads, and then you will be up to date on all of our upcoming rooms. I definitely invite you to check out the True Love Society, the one that exists off of Clubhouse, if you are interested. All right. Thank you again for listening. I appreciate you so very much. Again, I want to encourage you to connect with me on Instagram at Dear Franny. That's where you're going to get the most up-to-date information on everything that I have going on, everything that I have coming up, my clubhouse rooms, any events that I'm doing. I have a series of masterclasses that I'm releasing. A couple are already live, so check those out. And more coming workshops, everything I do that is centered on helping you get into a healthy, loving relationship as quickly and as joyfully as possible. <laughs> All of that information is going to be on my Instagram at Dear Franny. So please be sure to connect with me there. For those of you who have taken the time to rate and review and subscribe to this podcast, I appreciate you so very much. And if you haven't yet done that, it's not too late. And I appreciate all of the ratings. I appreciate all of the reviews and I appreciate you listening wherever you are in the world. I hope that you are safe. I hope that you know how loved you are. I hope you know how worthy you are. I hope that you are deeply in gratitude and you have an open heart that is ready to receive all of the love 
and all of the goodness that the universe has for you this year, next year, and forever. <laughs> it's the end of the year, guys. So you gotta, you gotta bear with me. I'm feeling sentimental, but I just so appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. I am going to be taking a little bit of a break from the podcast just for the new year, and I will be coming back soon. And as season three has been all about how to find true love and really focus on lots of different aspects of the dating journey. If you're new to the podcast and you have not yet listened to any other episodes, there are tons um, for you that have all different topics relating to your dating journey. And season four is going to get a little bit more personal. So I'm going to be talking about love. I'm going to be talking about dating still, of course, but I'm also going to be talking more about manifestation and some things that I have been able to manifest and how I've manifested them and share some more of my personal journey. The more I've been sharing that recently, the more people are saying, this is really, really, really helpful. <laughs> Can you do more of this? So I'm going to do more of that. So look forward to that in season four of Dear Franny. Thank you so much. Take care. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. And I will talk to you in 2022. Bye.